Back up, please. Hello and welcome to Indica's episode number 197. I'm your host, Aditya, and along with me, I have Abhishek. Hello, everyone. And we record this a little over a week after the Prime Minister of India was sworn in at the Rashtrapati Bhavan. Oh, yes. And after a long time, we are doing this in the afternoon. It's about four o'clock. Typically, it's early in the morning. But you have month and closing, apparently. And we have to tiptoe around your schedule, given that you have a five-month son. Yes, it's actually his schedule. Uh, I can't be talking aloud about Modi or anything. Because once he gets up... Modi can take a walk. Yes, he needs attention after that. He deserves it. It's fun to have a five-month-old. This is one of the best times because earlier he was just a baby. He would just lie there and go to sleep. That's all that he did. But now he needs attention. He smiles at you. He frowns. He makes signs at you to pick him up, etc. So he's learning quick. So it's fun time. It's good time. Beautiful. Uh, In the meantime, the action has also started off in Delhi after the swearing-in that happened on the 26th May where Narendra Modi, along with 45 ministers, 23 of them were cabinet rank ministers, were sewn in by the president, Mr. Pranam Mukherjee. At Rashtrapati Bhavan, it was designed almost a century ago by one British architect. It is never used, except the president, you know, hanging around once in a while. But it was used as a venue on May 26th, where, as you said, 45 ministers were sworn in. 45 as opposed to 76 last time around for Congress. That's right. What was Manmohan Singh's coalition dharma? To fulfill his coalition dharma, they had a big ministry uh, and all sorts of ministries. There was a ministry of silk, if you can imagine that. And it was given to one of the allies. But this time, there are only 23 cabinet rank ministries. And as they say, the top four have, of course, gone to the top four in BJP, namely Home Affairs, that has been assigned to Rajnath Singh. Shushma Swaraj has received external affairs as well as overseas Indian affairs. Arun Jaitley has received finance, corporate affairs and defense. Defense is the, the fourth one, right? But it has been clubbed together. And that's how the number of ministers has been brought down is by clubbing ministries. And a few of them are a bit suspect, right? I mean, yes, you can, of course, club external affairs and overseas Indian affairs. But clubbing finance and defense sounds a bit weird. Completely two different skill sets. If you were in an organization, you would not be handling logistics and marketing at the same time. Aren't they different as in defense and finance ministry, man? Totally, right? I think what is said is that it was also offered to Shushma Swaraj as well as Nitin Gadkari. However, they declined the offer, stating that they didn't have the skill sets to run it. Having said that, there is a cabinet expansion coming in after the first parliamentary session in June. And that is when they say that they are going to get a full-time defense minister. Nothing stops Modi from adding ministers eventually over time. So his mantra of what, what was that? Small government, big governance. So he started yes. doing that. So let's see how, how the ministers cope up uh, because the next big agenda will be the budget. That will be on the minds of Arun Jaitley. He'll probably undo some of the welfare schemes that Congress party had laid out or at least delay them to start with. Or at least change the implementation, if nothing else. The public distribution scheme and the MG Narega. These were the schemes that Congress actually ran their campaign on. And they say that they are the worst implemented schemes ever in India. Railways portfolio 
has been given to Sadanand Gowda, again a BJP guy. An interesting ministry that has been carved out is river development and Ganga rejuvenation, which has been assigned to Uma Bharti. If you take a look at the alliance partners, Ramvilas Paswan has received the best of the portfolios amongst the alliance partners. He has received consumer affairs and food and public distribution. Otherwise, if you even look at the other largest alliance partner, which was Shivsena with 18 seats, Anand Gite is a cabinet minister and he was around heavy industries and public enterprises, which isn't a public facing ministry, which had miffed Shivsena up. However, apparently it took a call from Modi to Uddhav Thakre to calm him down. That's where the speculations are coming in that Shusena might get Minister of State for Defence. That is a very tricky proposition. Somebody from Shiv Sena. The it, though, it's, not, it's not like they are ordering weapons for their own personal consumption. Or no, but that is not the what history. No, I understand that. But it's a belligerent, if that is a word to be used, a thuggist right-wing a violent, party. A violent, a violent. Yeah, with a violent background, yes. Yeah, exactly. Let's not call it a violent party. It is a right-wing party with... A gangsterish background. <laughs> yeah, a background of, you know, committing violence. Yes. And the other big one, which has been in the news lately, has been Smriti Irani getting a cabinet rank and an important public-facing ministry, that of human resource development. The contention is that she is not even a graduate and she has been given the HRD ministry. And then there is the other issue where there is a conflict in the affidavits provided by her in 2004 says that she is a BA graduate and the most recent one says BCom part one. On the first part where it is about should a candidate have certain educational qualifications to take up ministries. My take on that and that is also the take of the constitution is that no education should not be one of the considerations. What the ministers are there to do is people management. And making strategic decisions. They are not there to make operational decisions. And that is where the IAS qualified. Those guys, they come in. Of course, you need to have certain education level for one to become a HRD minister. But the other part of the controversy that Smriti Irani has is of providing conflicting affidavits. I mean, I think it is a serious one. And there are criminal laws that can be invoked as a result of that, which basically would mean that she would have to resign. But nobody is talking about that so far. Spriti Irani is just saying, judge me by the work that I'm going to do. But that is not really addressing the point. In an interview, when you are asked, why should we take you in? First, you take me in, then I'll show you what I can do. <laughs> Please disregard my resume. But all things considered, Modi will have to deal with these elements within his party. He cannot be going out and choosing ministers for himself. So, again, that phrase, other things remaining the same, we start. Yeah, and you know, a, a few of the other interesting big names that have been included in the ministries are that of General V.K. Singh, the former head of uh, chief of army. He is going to be in charge of development of northeast region, having an independent charge. And then others like Prakash Zaudekar, Piyush Goel, Jitendra Singh, Nirmala Sitaraman is a good one. She is going to be handling commerce and industry. It will be interesting to see what the average age is. Nothing would have changed when it comes to age, 
qualifications corruption background the only change this time is the guy who's running the show the economist went on to even say that not since indira gandhi was assassinated in 1984 has india had such a powerful personality in charge the western world is they won't see any big change in the politicians but the guy who runs is so important here the buck actually stops with him right in this case i think the power has shifted to where it should have been which is the prime minister's chair which is a welcome change this time and also you know a few of them are cabinet ministers. ministers and then there is minister of state with independent charge and then there is minister of state only and the difference basically is that a union cabinet minister is a senior minister who is basically in charge of the entire ministry end to end he is a final decision making authority in that ministry now so we come down to minister of state with independent charge that means that there is no overseeing union cabinet minister for that particular portfolio independent charge hai it is almost equivalent to union cabinet minister it's just not a senior position also when the prime minister holds his cabinet meetings only cabinet ministers can attend it and minister of state is basically junior ministers who work under cabinet ministers and they are given very specific responsibilities in that ministry so for instance the minister of state in the finance ministry may only handle taxation and not any other things like coming up with the budget etc apart from that as per the rules cabinet minister is also entitled to 15 personal staff now if you look at what includes a staff member is personal secretary two additional personal secretaries two assistant personal secretaries a personal assistant second personal assistant hindi stenographer lower division clerk driver attendant and four peons oh right? man <laughs> there is no other reason why the politicians have big paunches this is what the rules say typically a ministry like finance ministry cannot be run by only these many people yeah. so they get special sanctions from the pm and have a larger team why didn't they teach all of this to us in civics during school or what, what did they teach us i think they did attention? but they didn't pay attention <laughs> because all this is new to me <laughs> and the first parliamentary session is going to be happening the inaugural two day session is going to be happening on the 4th of june and will end on the 11th of june this is also when the speaker of lok sabha would be elected and that would happen on the 6th of june but all this rejuggling reshuffling getting in new people he's got a road which is let me use a little purple prose the road to recovery of india is filled with potholes so the inflation is at 9% growth 4 to 5% current account deficit which is imports minus exports is about 2% of the gdp but that's only because we've banned gold imports this can go up so in terms of the economic growth we've got quite a few roadblocks there is the tax bracket only 3% of indians pay income tax 90% of the jobs in india are informal we say that we are industrializing our manufacturing sector it contributes only 15% to the gdp for the last 15 years a good percent of the 50 million workers that work in factories they work without electricity and in terms of gdp we are ranked number 10th since the 1980s so we are pretty much at the same place for the past 20 years and he's got that to change oh absolutely and the most recent numbers that have been out today is that the gdp grew only 4.7% in the last year which has been the lowest in the last two decades so there is a lot that needs to be done which also leads to one of the demands that modi has made of all its ministers is that he needs a 100 day plan from each one of them it is a way of at least planning for the short term right i think gone are the days when you can make those legendary five year plans that we 
or learned about because things are just happening so rapidly right now sri lanka is doing something then china is incursing in the northeast region and something is happening all the time right so at least having these short term goals can help bring in some accountability one of our listeners venkat who had last time given us that little clip of the sound announcement on dhubi ghat in singapore he is an exactly that he went about asking people in singapore writers economists common man who are nris settled there asking them in the short term what do they expect from the modi government and he works for the singapore university he was kind enough to give us this 3 minute yeah. clip let's hand over the mic to venkat and the first question that he asked was to a gentleman named ananta nageswara he's an economist and he writes for india's mint newspaper as a singapore columnist and he asked what are the key areas that modi will need to focus when he gets started here it is i think the primary issue is inflation the cost of living rise has been quite phenomenal in the last 5 years food inflation is about 73% cumulatively over 5 years general inflation cumulatively in the cpi index is about 63% so that needs to be tackled and uh, there are experts like ashok gulati the former chairman of agricultural costs and prices commission he has come up with uh, very clear suggestions on how to bring down the food inflation rate which is by releasing this huge stock of food grains that are there in the food corporation of india go downs once you have taken care of the initial reversal in the food price increase then he can focus on reforming the food corporation of india and of course there are many priorities i mean there is water there is power since you talked about 6 to 8 months i am focusing on the key ones i think credit needs to flow to sectors where it needs to flow in the last 6 to 8 years in the previous boom credit was plentifully available but it flowed to real estate and commercial construction we need to see credit flow to smes for manufacturing for capacity creation so there are genuine credit needs that are going unmet because right. banks don't have capital i have with me mr vijay ayengar he is the former chairman of singapore indian chamber of commerce and industry vijay wanted to get your views on what what are your expectations as a person who does a lot of business with singapore and india from the new government which will be taking office pretty soon mr modi's sarkar i think if at all uh, india has got anybody who can deliver he is probably the man uh, you have had some experience in yeah, investing experience, your experience not in investing but okay. we've been to gujarat a couple of times on business delegations and uh, i had the pleasure of having lunch with him right and i would say that when uh, he makes an engagement the bureaucracy and the members of his cabinet usually follow okay. so i think one of the uh, lower ranking fruits that you can expect to be delivered in uh, as the modi sarkar takes charge would be that the execution of policy measures would be much faster hi i am gansham ahuja i am running consulting companies and some startups i am an investor in startup companies here in singapore been there from last 13 years really happy to see mr modi the way he has performed and obviously everybody has a lot of expectations from him so do i one for my own state maharashtra has been facing some issues in terms of drought and uh, especially agriculture related issues i don't know if you guys people or people know uh, the farmers have been doing suicides and all that i hope agriculture sector which has been bread and butter for most of our countries can be taken care number one the most important thing is the growth has to come on path we need to now compete with china that's my wish so that's number 2 and number 3 the last thing is focus on the investment not only foreign direct investment but internal investment kind of confidence has to come in 
Hi, I'm Soumya. I work for Singapore Management University. I have interacted with the Prime Minister designate of India in my past capacity as a consultant for Hewitt Associates. I have to say that he's been one of the most charming and progressive chief ministers I've ever worked with. And he was forthright, aggressive, knew what he wanted and would push a consultant which is never heard of. I mean, only corporate clients can push consultants, but he as a politician or as a bureaucrat was pushing us to get things done, which was commendable. I've never seen that in any of my government interactions in India and Middle East. And in terms of what I expect from him as the future Prime Minister of India is a lot of focus on education. I expect him to build world-class education infrastructure for India. And I just hope he makes... um, India, and particularly Delhi, where I come from, a much safer place, if not as safe as Gujarat, at least somewhere close to that, that it is at least one feels safe walking out at night. If you have noticed in all those clips, everyone was talking about inflation and all economic indicators. And it was only the lady who actually spoke about some social changes that were required, which I believe if you first solve the social problems, then a lot can be done on the economic side also. That is one place I think needs a lot of focus. Yes, in fact, just yesterday or was it day before in Uttar Pradesh, you must have read about oh, the horrible, brutal. right? And the figures are there for you. They are saying that the women had to step out to go relieve themselves because 65% of Indian households don't have toilets. And that is when they got picked up. Now, I don't think going to the toilet and being raped and then hanged have anything to do with each other because it's just, you know, nobody rapes because women are going to toilets outside. They just rape because they just are mentally ill. But if you focus on not having those sanitation facilities, that is a big problem. Right. If you just provide good sanitation problems and sanitation facilities are directly related to what do you say, Admiki Idzat, right? It provides you certain what is that word that I'm looking for? It provides you uh, dignity, hygiene, a dignity, dignity, yes. Is, yes. right? Dignity because nobody likes to go and risk watching themselves being seen while answering a nature's call, right? And if Again, something can be done there, that would be a great win. And it's a tough gig, right? These guys who spoke right now, they want growth. Another wanted to tame inflation. Uh, Yet another said, we want to compete with China. And you can't have growth and inflation inversely related. So you want the demands are quite high. and And cannot be fixed in six months or a year or two years. I mean, it's going to take some time, right? It's going to take at least two, three budget sessions to reallocate the funds, etc. True. And, and before we move on, you can listen to the amiable voice of Venkat and some of his brilliant short interviews at infinitevoices.podbean.com. That's I-N-F-I-N-I-T-voices.podbean.com. And thanks a lot, Venkat, for doing this. There are some 15-odd interviews for all you listeners. Go check that out. And short ones. Oh, good job. So go, go check that out. In the meantime, as we have been talking about something that is starting up, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic, which is about something that is shutting down. And I am referring to the Hindustan Motors factory in Kolkata being shut down, which used to produce the ambassador. Everybody has an ambassador story, whether it's that yellow and black taxis. No, it's the legroom, man. The legroom in the backseat of an ambassador is unthinkable. I mean, there are families in Mumbai who live in that much space. True, very true. And when the car made its debut, it was said that it is meant for those big 
Indian families, big around the waist and big in number two. And in fact, three of us, we, when we had been to Uttaranchal long back, they goofed up on our tickets and they could not arrange a bus seat. So they gave us an ambassador to ride in Uttaranchal, the four dhams, which is famous right. for. And it was mind-blowing. You'd speak about legroom and I think from the car ride, that is very vivid. And the driver told me that he would never break when he would take those turns in the ghats. And I said, what is your strategy? <laughs> because you don't know who, what's coming from the other side. He said that, when the car will break, we will break. That was his strategy. So it, you just floor it, we'll figure it out later. So I'm assuming that Ambassador had legendary braking control too. Oh yeah, and it was the first car to be ever made in India. It went into production in 1957. It was modeled on the Morris Oxford and the design really hasn't changed since then. And it was the only car that a politician or a government official would be allotted. Oh, so you and I could not walk in and buy one for ourselves? even No, we could, but a politician could not go and buy an Impala at that time. The government officials would only get an ambassador. And it used to be bulletproof uh, depending on what your rank is in the ministry. It still is. It still is. Now, giving you an overview of how bad the situation is, the company only sold 2,200 ambassadors last year, which goes on to say, who are these 2,200 people? (laughs) It had a lot of nicknames. It was called the Old Lady, the Ambi, of course, and Pride of India. And Bengal. <laughs> and, and West Bengal. Mainly. And West Bengal. In fact, the situation was so bad that the output per employee per year had gone down to one car per employee. And the industry norm right now is 365. What could be one reason why they didn't change their design or didn't do anything? Once Maruti came in, that basically stole a lot of the thunder. And then just lack of ability to raise finance for modernization, ability to retool the factories, etc. They gave it another shot by entering the luxury sedan market. If you remember uh, the Contessa model, they introduced that in late 1970s. They introduced the Contessa modern version. And that was a second India made car. But then if there is someone out there, if let's say Mahindra Mahindra and says, okay, boss, we'll give you money just to keep the brand alive and do something very funky with it, make it a cult status, go hybrid or go electric or something like that, where it gives the person a status or says something about the person, then actually the horsepower, make it something like that. A Royal Enfield was ambassador about 10 years back. Siddharth Lal, who is now the MD of the company, he was 26 and he took over Royal Enfield and he turned it around. Today you have a Thunderbird 500cc. You've got a slew of models. In the, earlier this year in the Auto Expo in Delhi, they launched the Continental GT. When you look at it, people will either hate it or love it. There is no midway. So he's changed the whole thing. Like you mentioned about the hybrid or some whole other wacky touch that could have been ambassador. They need money and because apparently they haven't made any payments for several months. And around 2,500 jobs are at risk. Wow. And the Financial Times quite rightly said, it is the affectionately remembered but rarely purchased. That's the ambassador. That's true. So true. Let's move on to the next topic that we have. We have always been covering the spelling bee competitions and Indians, how they keep dominating the spelling bee competition. The most recent one also just completed for first time in 52 years. There was a tie at the Scripps National Spelling Bee Championship. How are you as a kid with spellings? Because these guys are 11, 12, 14, the ones who win. They are bred for this. There is this movie called Akila and the Bee, which is actually said to have revived the interest in spelling bee competitions. It was released in 2006. And that is where they actually 
turned it into a sport with ESPN. The spelling league championship is live telecasted on ESPN and on prime time. Oh yes, and it's a tense situation. They have a clock ticking. There is this kid who comes up on the dais, and there are judges who are dressed spick and span, and they'll give you a word that you've never listened to, and it shows up on the bottom left side of the television set. And these kids are so smart that, in spite of they not having heard the word before, they'll ask the judge to repeat it a couple of times, and then just go with their instinct. And they will throw in a, a silent letter here and there, just because they think that it's part of the word. So they've never heard that word, but they'll still take a shot at it. Absolutely, and this went down to the wire and it has never happened once the rule was created where a list of 25 words is created specifically for these kind of situations so in the 16th round what happened was Srira missed a word corp brooder but he got a second chance when Anshun also couldn't spell his word right which was antigropelos slightly more difficult and so finally it came down to the host of the events you know looking at Anshun and saying that if you get this word right, then we are going to be declaring both of you co-winners. No pressure, right? I think they lost, right? Because he lost out on that round, both were declared co-winners. No. No? So, they both couldn't spell a particular word. That's why they went into a tiebreaker. And that is when the whole list came up. The 25-word list came up. The word that was asked of him was spell fejito. Hmm. F-E-G-E-T-O Is that what it is? The first rule of the game is that Never immediately You know, spell (laughs) it out You have to ask questions So he asked for the definition He asked for part of speech He asked for multiple repetitions And still had no idea (laughs) And then he just went You know, whatever And you know, spelled it out F-E-U-I-L-L-E-T-O-N Wow, I missed out on (laughs) U-I-L- Oh, and how did that come in? See, that's what I was talking about. When they throw in certain letters, even if they don't know anything about it. So, you got to give it to them. Because it was a French word. Because a French word. That's cheating, man. You ask me English. (laughs) In fact, I'll tell you what. The most embarrassing thing. I typed in the most commonly misspelled words in Google. And I misspelled misspell. (laughs) The the word misspell. And misspell was one of the commonly misspelled words list on Wikipedia. Oh, is it? Okay, spell, spell, okay, let me take it. Spell bureaucracy. I always get this wrong. Spell bureaucracy. B-E-A-U-C-R-A-C-Y. I stifled a laugh after you said B-E. Because it's B-U-R-E-A-U-C-R-A-C-Y. Yes, I get that wrong too. I'm glad I have company. I got 40 wrong, 40 wrong until I was in 8th standard. F-O-R-T-Y. <laughs> yes, I. And now you have a even, even today, even today, when I sign a check, when three thousand five hundred and forty only, my pen stops for a fraction of a second when I have to write forty. That muscle memory isn't built in. <laughs> Not yet. Spell separate. Come on, go for it. S A P A R A T. It's S E P A R A T, my friend. S E P A R. S E P A R A T. Oh man, you got two on two wrong. Okay, okay. Let's let's stop embarrassing me. All right. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to the next one. Let's talk about Madhav Mantri, who was the oldest living test cricketer in India, maternal uncle to Sunil Gavaskar. He passed away last week due to old age. He was 92 years old. In England, he scored 550 runs during a time when we hadn't really won any test matches. And in his first test, he got off to a good start, 39. And it was that series where India actually went on to win the first ever test after two decades and 25 odd test matches of winless uh, streak. 
Oh wow! And also, he was also one of those four batsmen who were dismissed for zero by Fred Truman in the second innings when India was zero for four. Oh boy! You do not want to have that scoreline. <laughs> <laughs> to give you some more background, he was also the last cricketing administrator to have become the head at MCA, that is Mumbai Cricket Association. After that, it has been taken over by politicians. He was defeated in 1992. by shiv sena leader manohar joshi and he did well on the domestic circuit for bombay he scored a double century he's got some three centuries in three successive matches and he was part of that first series where india won a test match vijay hazare was a captain of the side and many years later vijay hazare recounted an experience of how they won it because of due i have to introduce my spinners early you see mankar especially bowled very well he eight wickets for 55 and in the second also he got four wickets england started well but when uh, grimney was out we thought it we will do better you know pankaj roy started well i think he is 111 with uh, 14 or 15 fours really helped us then the second was umrigar who played very well it was a great win for us really and uh, that too after uh, playing 25 test matches that was the first win ever and i had the pleasure of uh, being the captain of india the man remembers the minutest of details like pankaj roy scoring 111 polly umrigar had scored 130 and there was one man who was a superstar at that time vinu mankad he was a left arm orthodox spinner he took 8 for 55 in the first innings and 4 for 53 in the second only goes to show that bowlers win test matches even back then and do you know there is a phrase called being mankand in test cricket mankand if you get out in a particular fashion it is said that you have just been mankand mankanded when your job is outsourced to bangalore you are bangalore so back in the days when he was playing against australia in a test in sydney he ran one batsman called bill brown out in the act of delivering up the ball that is oh, he ran yeah, him yeah. out the non strike backs up a little too much yes. so he did that and he got him out so that if you get out in that manner it's called being mankant the law has changed since then you can't be doing that while you're delivering the ball yeah they're just ruining the game for everyone we're talking about ruining the game recently an incident happened where an opera singer was called all sorts of things and ruined her mood we're talking about tara erogot she's a erot erot thanks erot tara erot 27 year old and uh, why are we talking about her is that all the leading newspapers the financial times uh, after she performed a character called octavian in a play by richard stross we don't know any of it but the important thing is the big art critics the financial times called her a chubby bundle of puppy fat the Ooh. independent called her a dumpy girl the guardian calls her stocky a barrage of sexist comments because men who are conductors or who like pavarotti who had bulging belts and nobody really spoke about them because in opera you got to be talking about how well they sing because these singers do not have a mic they need to be singing well over and above the sound of the orchestra so their vocal cords have to be strong absolutely now the comments were harsh but the arguments that opera has nothing to do with what you look like 
etcetera is sort of misplaced there are probably two types of operas one is the traditional opera where you have the orchestra in the background and you are the only person singing in a very formal costume and then there is the other type of opera where it is nothing but a music but singing opera and i'm not saying all these things as someone who has read all the reviews and the rebuttals etc i have actually watched an opera called aida in the opera house in vienna sitting in the cheapest seat not even seating standing in the cheapest seats for two and a half hours because couldn't really afford the other seats you know having witnessed that it is a misnomer that opera is just that and you also mentioned that she was playing a male role that of octavian who according to the character itself is a strapping young man one of the noble men out there and if you read review for example let's take review written by rupert christensen he wrote in telegraph he mentions that there is no doubt of the talent of this young irish mezzo based in germany who sings with vibrant assurance and proves herself a spirited comedian but she is dumpy of stature and whether in bedroom dashable disguised as mariandel or in full aristocratic fig her costume making resembles something between heidi and just williams is jones simply trying to make best of her intractable physique or is trying to say something about the social sexual dynamic the review basically says that she is not shooting the character that she is playing was she too fat for the role that she was playing is what you're saying yeah it is just not about acting but it is also about looking the part to convince the audience and that is what people had a problem with i mean yeah the words could have been different and there is a theory why i don't know how true this is but i've stumbled upon this online why opera singers are well stout is because they can't perform on a full stomach that's why they starve themselves for hours leading up to the performance and while they are performing two and a half hours or three or four hours of that epic stage show they'll go back home and when they have their dinner because they are so famished they stuff themselves and then they go off to bed and this keeps on happening year after year after year and then there are some artists who are struggling and they eat stuff which is well not really healthy yeah. we also have a phrase which says it ain't over until the fat lady sings Well, I think it's time to get some of the sounds that our listeners have sent in. We have two soundscapes. One from Narendra. He sent in from Barbil, Orissa. He was at his balcony and it was raining and thundering outside. And you will also notice the sound of a siren in the beginning of this track. And that was, he says, that of a hooter of a nearby pellet plant where he works. And a train was also crossing at that time. all the way from Odisha to Canada from Ishan and he says that a few weeks back we spoke about the harsh north american winter it has gotten better now and he sends us a sound clip from his house window which captures the mood of the summer season he says and listen to this it's got birds chirping and far away you have an ice cream truck in the distance <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
nothing like an ice cream truck my first experience with ice cream trucks was in belgium and i was completely alien to this concept of a truck coming to people to serve them ice cream and it was amazing i could see everyone just running outside with money to this ice cream truck it was amazing so those were the two soundscape that we got thanks a lot guys keep sending those in so what we are basically trying to do is requesting you to record sounds of any interesting place that you might come across and send the sound file over and we'll include it in the episode just like we did it right now last time we had also made a request to or a command as the email say asking listeners to send us photos of whatever is in front of them while they are listening to this podcast so like right now just click a photo and send it to us and we'll include it in the next episode in that regard we received 12 photos so thank you for all the people who have sent in those photos let me quickly call them out we have received photos from parth who was just walking down the street and has clicked a photo atul he has sent a photo of the new jersey train that he rides in looking out of his window ashok he was in the gym when he was listening to us so he is going to do a set for me as well vikram goel he has also sent in a picture oscar he has sent in a picture of him driving down hang on i'll just add to that vikram that's his first episode and he's in the land of the midnight sun in norway Ooh, from from norway from so from so norway yeah vikram uh, goel had sent that one oscar sent us two pictures of him during his commute in vancouver and i have a pending invite from him krishna has sent in a photo as well and he was cooking some meal while he was listening to us so i hope that you chole. chole chole yeah. yes in miami florida then it was sagar who has sent a photo as he was entering the liverpool station anjali has sent a photo of her having a very good looking tea is that is that how you see yeah that's a green tea from sweden yes she was yes. drinking green tea she was drinking green tea and she has sent a picture of that and then of course neil has also sent us a picture of what he said was mars and i i got all excited that he somehow managed to capture a picture of mars using some digital telescope and he has access to one of those things and then he says no it was just an led light i was sleeping in the night and you guys said take a picture so i took a picture and that was the air conditioning led light that blinks a very tiny one so in the picture imagine a picture which is a4 size it's all pitch dark and there is this one tiny blip of red light yeah. you would want to believe that it's mars well done neil well done you had us there neil's rep basically went down from a space scientist to just some guy lying on his bed <laughs> taking a random picture talking about lying on the bed nirav from calgary he was on his bed wasn't he oh yeah he sends us a picture of a bed sheet where he was about to i think crash oh absolutely nirav patel has sent us in also so all these pictures are up on our website there's one more from alok he was driving from anand to vadodara in an intercity bus and he was at the back seat of a bus and there were many bald men and a very nice looking watch right in the close up of a man who was from his from the 60s so hmt type watches so we love these pictures tells us a lot about where you are from and it's fun and aditya go on you you've set up a gallery on the website absolutely so on the episode page itself we have set up a gallery all these pictures are going to go in there and as abhishek was saying it it's fascinating to get a sneak peek into your lives i mean it's a bit voyeuristic but it gives some little insights into what you are doing and who you are so keep doing that right all the others who did not send pictures because they thought it would just be weird to respond to aditya's request there are people who are doing that and also don't forget the soundscapes the sound clips that you might want to do 10 seconds indicast at the indicast.com pictures and sounds send us there please do that again as i say right now 
take a picture and send it to us. I also got a query saying that the PayPal donations button is not working. I fixed it. So if you want to, you can go try that out as well. Was it a real query or did you just make that up? I will I will put that email screenshot in, in the gallery as well. We, we could do with some charity. The 200th episode is also coming up. We need suggestions on guests or any special initiatives that we should run. I think it was the 100th episode when we raised money for Smile Train. So if you have any ideas as to what we should be doing for our 200th episode, if you have any connections to get us to famous people who can participate on the 200th episode or point blank episodes, etc. Please do write in to us at indicast at theindicast.com. All the uh, soundscapes and the images can also be sent to indicast at theindicast.com and we'll feature them as in when when. Yes. And don't forget our Facebook page. You can go there, like us and share the episode that we post there and you can find us on Twitter too. Indicast is at Indicast. Aditya is at AC Matre. And I'm not at all on Twitter. I hope to log on to Twitter a little more often. I'm at Abhishek Kumar with a single K. Please keep downloading our episodes. Please do that. We can hear the Rottweiler of Aditya in the background if I'm not wrong. There was a dog that barked. Was it yours? That was Ronnie. And Ronnie is? Ronnie is the Rottweiler. Amazing. Have fun. That doesn't go well with Rottweilers. <laughs> but yes, that's about it. That's about from it. From this episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's the brilliant voice of Tara Erot making her debut as Octavian in Richard Strauss's Der Rosen Cavalier.